They're using beans in class. Yes, that's right. They're using beans in class. Oh, we had a meeting with our son's teacher this week. Uh, He's in second grade, and as they're starting the second half of the school year, they're going to implement a new procedure in their classroom to help to motivate and encourage the kids towards proper behavior, meeting the expectations that the teacher has for her students in that classroom. It's a behavior management system. And all kinds of educators of all different levels, they make use of behavior management systems, whether it's a color-coded chart or maybe the the sticker tracker or the the pinto beans, the popsicle sticks in, in a jar, whatever it might be, right? And it's used to help the students to understand how well they're doing at meeting the expectations, following the rules, listening to their teacher, right? Being respectful to the other students in their classroom. They can be incredibly beneficial and useful in a classroom setting. But I wonder if you kind of felt that way a little bit about Matthew chapter 5. And that section that we read that introduces to us Jesus one of his most famous messages, his Sermon on the Mount, did it feel a little bit like that's kind of God's management plan for us? Now he lays out these things and, and the blessings that might come, and so maybe we even feel that way about Christianity in general. Maybe some of your friends do. Have you narrowed Christianity's purpose down to a system that is intended to control your behavior? A system of rules to follow guidelines, expectations, and if you meet those expectations, then you will be blessed. This system of rules and rewards. I think sometimes we maybe get that into our mind that that that's what Christianity, that's what the church, that's what the Bible is really about. It's about how can I live my life in the right way so that at the end of it, because I've done all the right things or I've measured up in some way, then whoever this God is of the universe, he will need to reward me and bless me. And that's actually exactly the attitude and exactly the the thought that Jesus wants to clear up, the misunderstanding that he wants to correct with these words that he gives to us in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus wants to help us to have a new understanding of God's economy, the way that God works and how blessing works how god's people can truly be blessed and how we can understand as god's people that we we are blessed in all circumstances this is jesus 
opening to his sermon on the mount, one of his most famous messages. Jesus had ascended up a hill, a mount, and there are crowds of people along with the disciples. They gathered around him. Jesus had been healing people of their diseases and their sicknesses. And so these crowds formed. He had been using his hands and his divine, miraculous power to change their lives physically. And now he spoke and he used his words and teaching and instruction to miraculously change their lives spiritually. And as we listen to Jesus this morning, we will learn and, that Christianity is not a management system. This is not God's management plan, but it's rather how you and I, those who follow Jesus, how we can be blessed in all circumstances. And thank God that it is not his management plan. Because if it were, our pinto beans would be gone. Popsicle sticks would be spilled all over the floor. Our sticker chart would have pitifully few stickers on it. Because these don't describe us. And you go through this list that God gives here that Jesus says, and just see if you measure up to these things. So just follow along as we go through these words of blessing. First of all, he starts with poor in spirit. Okay, sometimes uh, our spirits might be down, right? Those who mourn. Yes, I think all of us, we get sad. All of us are disturbed by death. We, we've probably felt grief in our lives. So, okay, we're two for two. Blessed are the meek. Oh boy. How are we going to handle that one? Because to be meek is the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of arrogance. Yeah. I never, ever bully someone else to get my way. I never put my foot down in a conversation in one of my close relationships. I always give deference to others, right? Next one is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. To hunger and thirst for something is to crave it Jesus is talking about craving godliness in such a way that your stomach twists and turns when it isn't filled up with it. Do you have that craving? Or do you crave more for some of the questionable music and entertainment with which you can fill your life? Merciful? I never seek revenge. I, I always forgive. Come on now, I'm your pastor. You can't lie to me. And you really can't lie to God. 
And if you're saying those things, of course, you're lying to yourself, and so am I, right? Keep going. Pure in heart, completely clean, completely without corruption, peacemakers. And you say, Pastor, I love peace. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. But what about the peace in your marriage and in your family and with your closest friends? And when conflict arises, are you the first one to jump in and and work to to resolve it or the attempt to, to escalate it? So thank God that these are not God's management system because we don't live this way. And we really can't. Our sinful natures, they rebel against God's will for our lives. They rebel against God's instructions. Our sinful natures are the things that separate us from God. They, they push us outside of his kingdom where God's blessings truly are found. Thanks be to God that these are not solely about what God expects of us. They are, but even more than that, These are the promise of who God will create you to be in Christ. These are the promise of the blessings that come to those who are part of God's kingdom. If you look at verses 3 through 10, you really can see that they are a unit. They all go together. They have these two bookends on either side, verse 3 and verse 10. They both have the same exact blessing. Jesus says there, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's describing those who dwell in that kingdom, in God's kingdom. They're about this new vision that God provides for our lives. What he will make us to be through his blessing. And it's that understanding that helps us to realize that we are truly blessed in all circumstances. But to understand how we can be blessed in all circumstances means that we really have to understand what it means to be blessed. What is the definition of that word, blessed? As I was preparing and studying for this morning, I came across what I just think is a great definition. This definition that I found says that to be blessed is to be the privileged recipient of of divine favor. And I love that definition, and I just want to walk through each part of it. To be the privileged recipient, it's a privilege, which means that it's a gift. It's something that's unearned, it's undeserved. We are recipients of this gift, which means that it comes from outside of us, it comes from our God. And what we are privileged to receive is divine favor. Which is how we can be blessed in all circumstances. Because it's not our circumstances that determine our blessing, but it is our almighty, compassionate, gracious, divine, heavenly Father who determines our blessings. And you... My dear friends, my brothers and sisters, you are such a privileged recipient of divine favor because of Jesus. 
in Jesus, God has called you into his kingdom to be a part of that kingdom of tremendous blessing. Jesus has forgiven you of all your failings. Jesus has lifted you up and he will continue to lift you in every circumstance. Jesus is the one who meets all these expectations of God. Jesus was poor in spirit as he looked out into this world and he saw the devastation, the corruption that sin had caused as he saw the pain that it inflicted on his people. Jesus mourned over that. And Jesus was meek. He came in that meekness, in humility. He came down to this earth. He took on our flesh and blood, though he was the almighty God, so that he could save us. Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness and godliness every single day of his life on this earth. Jesus was pure, holy, righteous in our place. The life that he lived counted for us. And Jesus delivered God's own mercy through his words, through his actions, and ultimately through his sacrificial death on the cross. And so Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. Because he has made peace between you and your God. He has made peace through his blood shed for you. And because of Jesus, you know that you are a part of God's kingdom. You know that no matter what your circumstances, because he was crucified for your sins, because he was risen for your justification, you are blessed in all circumstances. Know and trust in Jesus' sacrifice. And Christ will work in you through his Holy Spirit. He will work in you to live this new life, to be empowered by his Holy Spirit, to live as members of his kingdom and live out all these words of blessing and all these experiences that Jesus describes here. You are a privileged recipient of divine favor and you are blessed in all circumstances. And so we're just going to contemplate some of those circumstances that Jesus describes here this morning. We're only going to touch on a few of them out of this whole list. And so I encourage you to continue to study them. I encourage you to make use of the next step questions that are in that listening guide as they're going to tackle some of the other phrases. But we're just going to look at a few and explore those in depth this morning. First of all, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the attitude with which you live your life? Is it one of joy and excitement? Is it one of exuberance? Do you wake up every single morning thrilled and excited for what lies before you in that day? Does positivity just exude from your body or do you have a, a little bit different spirit? Has some of your joy been stolen away? Has your spirit been been crushed? Jesus reminds you that yours is the kingdom of heaven. 
And if you've lost some of that joy or happiness, Jesus also reminds us that sometimes that weariness, that tiredness, the poorness in spirit that we experience, sometimes it comes because we're pursuing the things of God's kingdom. Sometimes it comes because of what we have endured and what we have persevered through. And so our faith, our faith is in the now and the not yet. The ultimate lift for our spirits comes in the not yet. When Jesus comes in all of his glory and he gathers all of his people together, he unites them in his kingdom that will endure and last forever and ever in eternity. But right now, right now, you live in God's kingdom by faith. Right now, you experience the blessings of knowing that you are a redeemed child of God and a citizen of his kingdom. Right now, you can live having your spirits refreshed and revived through your connection to God's word daily and weekly as he continues to lift you up with his promises to see that his watchfulness, his care, his blessing is over all of your life. Next, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, death often brings mourning and weeping and wailing into our lives because death is the terrible consequence of our sins. It's a terrible consequence of our disobedience to the very author of life. But God blesses us as he moves us to mourn over our sins so that we can cherish Christ's comfort so that we can cherish the comfort he gives us in Jesus' forgiveness, this comfort that flows out of his promise of redemption, that his blood has covered over all our sins, it has washed us clean, and we remain his dear children. And even as we mourn death, we know that death, for those with faith and confidence, for us, death is just a transition. From this life of pain and suffering to the life that God has promised us in eternity. And finally, we're going to look at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you hunger or thirst for something, it's a craving. Chocolate. A cold beer on a hot day. That perfectly cut, cut, cut of steak. And when you, when you think of that, when you crave that, you can almost just taste it. Right? You, can, you can smell it even before it's on the plate in front of you on the table. Even before you bring that, that beer glass to your lips, it's, you get that sensation. That craving the desire that you have. That's the craving. That's the desire that God is going to work in you for righteousness, for godliness in your life. And such a craving, it's not going to be filled with a mediocre approach to Christianity. It's not going to be filled by just a a cursory dip into God's word and the Bible. It's going to crave more and more and more of his word to fill you up 
with godliness in every aspect of your life. That's what Jesus will work in you. That's the blessing that he will bring to you. And so as useful as a tool as they are, these words from God in Matthew chapter 5 are not God's management plan. Christianity is not a system of rules and rewards, but it's a reminder of the wonderful privilege that we have as God's children, that we are the recipients of his divine favor, that he has blessed us tremendously, that he pours such blessings into our lives. And as we recognize how privileged we are as God's children, And that gospel message of Jesus and all he has done for us, that gospel message will become explicit in our lives. I'm borrowing that phrase from a book that I read that talked about the explicit gospel. That was the name of the book. And the author who wrote that book, he talked about how sometimes there are believers, Christians, who trust in God's word. They trust in the message that God has delivered, the the wonderful good news of Jesus, their Savior from all sin. But it hasn't become explicit in their lives. That when that message becomes explicit in their lives, it becomes clear through their words and actions. Every single decision that that they make about how they spend their time, how they use their, their resources, their finances, all of that is motivated by the gospel. That the gospel impacts every single decision that they make, that they talk about it with their children. It becomes explicit in our lives. And that's what God will work in us as we continue to draw near to his word, as we continue to recognize how blessed we are in every circumstance, that gospel will become explicit in our lives. The more you rely on God's power, the more you draw near to him, the more you soak in the message of the gospel, it will allow you to see how you are blessed in all circumstances. That this is God's promise. That you are a privileged recipient of his divine faith. Amen.